Now, despite what you may have heard, the robots are not coming to take our law jobs. Well, maybe some lawyer jobs will go away, but there will be new jobs for people with legal training that is actually created by all this technology and the impact it has on every facet of our lives. Now, I'm not a fortune teller and I can't see the future, but I can see what is going on around the legal profession with regard to technology, and I think it provides a lot of opportunity for solo and small firm lawyers in how we run our practices. In this episode of the podcast, we're going to dispel the myth of a dystopian, lawyerless future and instead talk about the importance of legal skills here in the 21st century. Stay tuned. I'm Brad Miller, and this podcast will help you transform your law practice through deliberate design, core business competency, mental mastery, and powerful positioning so that you can have a practice that gives you the life you want, not a life that is the mercy of your practice. If you want to stop struggling, spend more time with your family, live a life of abundance, and make a difference in the lives of your clients, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the New Modern Lawyer Podcast. You've probably heard the legal futurists proclaim that technology and particularly aspects of it like artificial intelligence or AI is going to eliminate the need for lawyers, that the end of lawyers is near, they say. And they point to industries like banking as an example of what is to come for lawyers. For instance, in banking, individual bankers anymore are being replaced by things like smart ATMs and online banking. Most of the things nowadays are done by smartphones. You don't even need to show up in banks, uh, branches anymore, or speak to individual people. Uh, along that line, many branches are being closed and downsized. I mean, I can barely remember the last time I went into a bank branch itself, let alone, again, spoke to an actual person uh, for something help. Most things uh, can be done without actually going into the bank branch. And even on the loan side, loan decisions now are being made by computer algorithms. If the data that they put in, the numbers that a, an employee puts in don't add up um, to what the algorithm thinks is acceptable, you know, that's, that's the end of the game for many people when it comes to get a loan. And these, these legal futurists say that, you know what, the law is next. They say that for too long now, lawyers have, we've set up in our ivory towers, acting as some like guardians of the law, you know, controlling access to it, using legalese and Latin terms that, and should only we as lawyers understand what's being said, and, and really enjoying a monopoly that Nelson Rockefeller himself would be envious of. These people say that the law is highly segregated, that there are only a few big players, and most lawyers working uh, today are in firms of 10 lawyers or less. And they say that lawyers are just way too conservative and slow to change, and that that means that there's going to be a lot of opportunities for fast movers to come into the marketplace. And all those things may be very well and true, but they don't mean that lawyers are doomed or that technology, that the robots, that AI or whatever, are going to make lawyers obsolete. And they don't mean that you need to start running around yelling that, just that the, uh, the sky is falling. So if you were like many lawyers, then you may be wondering, well, what, all, what does all this mean for my practice then, if it's not this, the end of, end of lawyers? So now I'm not privy to the secrets of the future. I can't see you know, what's going to happen here. 
And, you know, honestly, I prefer to focus on what's going on today, really to worry about what's going to be happening down the road in, in a few years. So what I want to do is talk about today what I see currently happening in the legal profession and then what you can do maybe, you know, based on that to kind of best place yourself in your practice going forward. First things first, though, technology, robots, AI, they are not going to eliminate the need for lawyers, at least nowhere that I can see in our lifetime. Lawyers, we've been around for thousands of years at this point, and it's because society that we live in is based on rules of conduct, things like ownership, compensation, you know, the uh, prohibitions and things on killing and stealing. And really, as time gets goes on, you know, we get more and more rules. And as life goes around uh, us, gets more complex. So do these rules. I mean. Just think about all the changes that have occurred in your particular practice area since you started there in that area. Uh, you know, probably a lot of significant changes have gone on there. And as we go forward, we're going to need lawyers to write these rules, to be able to interpret these rules, and then apply them to particular situations. You know, and we're always going to have, I think, disputes arise. Even back as far as ancient Athens and Rome. Uh, orators argued cases on behalf of others when disputes arose. Since the Middle Ages, there have been some sort of a professional advocate who stood up and, and advocated on behalf of, of someone in disputes. They're not going to go away. Disputes are not going to go away because disagreements between people, it, it's just part of the human experience. Um, each person goes into a situation based on their own interpretations and their own, which is based on their values, their experiences that they've had. And no two people have the same values and experiences. And so interpretations will vary. And when you have interpretations of even what may seem to be very objective facts, uh, when you have people interpreting them with their own kind of lens, you're going to have disputes. You're going to have disagreements between those two. So I think regardless, there's going to be some sort of a need for advocates meaning that you litigators and, and lawyers out there who are in uh, kind of dispute resolution, mediations, those kind of areas, you're probably safe. Now, again, I don't know what things are going to look like in the future, you know, 20, 30, 50, 100 years from now. Um, but I do feel pretty confident that lawyers are not going to go away anytime soon. Um, if for no reason that I don't think that robots, AI, all these kind of technologies are going to be able to come up and understand and work with the nuances of human experience and behavior uh, anytime in the near future. It's just too complex and too nuanced, I think, at this point, based on my understanding of where things are today. So instead of trying to worry uh, and talk about doom and gloom, about the sky falling, let's instead talk about what is currently happening and maybe then how you can take that um, and use that to move forward. So first off, technology at this point, I think we can all agree is, is, is a way of life and it can be a really great thing. You know, when its purpose is to eliminate the mundane tasks, the redundancies in life, it can save you time and money. You now, for instance, it used to be that if you wanted to write a letter to say to the court or opposing counsel or someone, you'd have to settle up to your typewriter or you would dictate to a secretary back then to type up this letter for you. And hopefully you didn't make a mistake or want any changes because it's not really easy to correct typos uh, on a typewriter. And really the only 
good way to make substantive changes to something, to a letter that's been typed up, is to retype the letter. So if you wanted to add new things in there or reorder the uh, paragraphs that you had put in there, you're going to have to redo the whole thing. And so, you know, depending on how fast you can type or the person who can type, um, you know, how long the letter is, how complex the things are in there, that process can take some time doing all that. You know, and then after the typewriters, we had word processors and, and then computers came about after that and making that, those made it easy to now, you can cut and paste things. So you didn't like this phrase or you wanted to make some changes, you could go back and, and make those really easily without having to redo the, the whole letter. So that really sped up how fast it was to, to, to come up with a letter, to write a letter. And now we have email which and text messages, which means that you can send something almost instantly and get a reply within minutes, sometimes even faster than that, um, rather than having to wait days for your ladder to travel by mail. Um, I remember in law school talking about uh, the mailbox rule about, you know, how do we know when something is, when deadlines start, you know, when things are mailed. Nowadays, you know, with the technology we have with, um, you know, with emails and things and online filings, you know, that's becoming re less relevant. And it's all, all because of technology, which has stepped in and allow us to do these things. And this technology also allows you as a lawyer to do many of the tasks that previously you'd have to hire someone out to do, you can now do these yourselves. I mean, a great example is the, the aforementioned one of typing up and sending a letter. Again, if you had enough of these, it probably made most sense to hire someone to, to write these up for you, to, you to dictate these, and they would type them up for you so that then you could focus on other things. Now, rather than dictating to a legal assistant, for instance, you can now dictate direct to text. So you can get on your phone even or on a microphone and you can dictate the letter that you want to send out and it comes right in the document or right in the email that you want and you can send it out like that. So much faster. Some of the things you can do, you can do online research very quickly and much more easily now than used to when you had to go through books and make a trip to the law library. Uh, when I went uh, in laws back in law school, I feel like we were one of the last kind of classes that really took any time to spend learning about how to use a law library and physical books. And that was because my legal writing professor at the time, he understood and saw that, you know what, legal research is really going online and that's where the future is. But there's still value that he felt in going and getting your hands on the actual books because the books give you context. When you were just doing a search uh, on one of those legal, on online um, legal research services, you're just typing in keywords and it just pops up based on what you've, you, you've put up. And, you know, it, it doesn't give any context around that. It just returns what you get back, what you put in. Versus when you have to look up a book, let's say that you're looking up a, an issue in property law, you open up the book and you not only do you find maybe the issue that you that's specifically yours or that you were specifically looking for, but you can also see some of the surrounding issues that might also uh, apply in your case that you would never have thought of. Or maybe some different angles that you could tackle a problem with um, just based on the other things that are in that section or in that book you found. And so, again, this is one of the nice things that my, my professor did. Um, but that's all all long stories to, to say that nowadays most all research is done online. 
and it's done very quickly and very efficiently, um, and that's all because of technology. And you know, the other thing that that, that I do see a lot of is is the courts with allowing for fax filings and online filings. So you no longer need a runner to file things for you. Um, and again, I know the pandemic has really kind of sped up a lot of the online filing capabilities for courts uh, when you know lawyers were not allowed to uh, go to the courtroom, go to the courthouses and file things, the clerk's office. Uh, online is the way that, that, that justice, that the courts continued to move. Um, and again, it used to be that you had to have physically run to the to law to the uh, courthouse, and if you know if you had enough to do, you would send a runner. When I was a law clerk, when I was in law school, when I clerked for a, a law firm, that was part of my job. Is whenever there were things that needed to be filed, the lawyers would gather everything up, and they'd have it for me. So when I showed up for the day to work, they would have a, a pile of things to run to the courthouse, and I would walk. Uh, I think it was maybe five minutes from the office to the courthouse. I'd go to the clerk's office, have the clerk file everything, return me the timestamp copies. I'd then run up to the courtrooms for the judges back in their chambers, and then I'd deliver a copy to each judge's chambers where it was, where it was necessary so they'd have a copy of the motion or whatever was being filed. And, and you know, then I'd also pick up any motions or any decisions that were also left there that were um, for the firm as well. And nowadays you don't need to do that because it's all online, um, all because of technology. You save all that time of, of running and having to hire someone to do it. And this is, again, one of the nice things, you know, particularly if you're a solo practitioner, practitioner because it means that the cost of entry or really the cost for running your practice at all is very low. You know, thanks to all this technology, you know, you can just about run your entire law office from your phone on the beach. I mean, really, with the way things are nowadays, if you have Internet connection, you can pretty much run your law practice. You know, and the value of this is I think has really been proven by the by the uh, pandemic that we just went through Um, because lawyers were not able to go into their offices they're not able to to meet with clients or to be able to share things by just walking down the hall. And so technology allowed lawyers to access case files, client information, uh, to be able to share information between them. Uh, And all because you had to by necessity here. And, and that was, you know, something that I think has been coming for the last, for several years now, it's definitely not a new thing. Um, you know, back, I think about 2010 or 11, I was part of what at that time I think was probably one of the first virtual law firms around. And by virtual law firms, I mean that the firm didn't have a central office. Um, the firm, there were a handful of attorneys and if you wanted, needed to work someplace or you need to meet with a client, then you'd go to one of these kind of virtual office buildings and you'd rent a room for the day or for an hour or whatnot. And I believe that the firm, you know, paid a monthly subscription for this and that allowed you to have, I don't know, so many hours probably per month that you can use the space. And a mail was delivered there. So, you know, any correspondence was done through those offices and then, you know, I'd go and pick up the mail and things when I was when stopping by or whatever to, to catch what was coming through there. But we didn't have physical 
office space there. We didn't have um, you know, the receptionists, the people who answered the phones for the firm were not in an office on site someplace. They were honest. I don't know where they were. Maybe they were working from home. Maybe they were working somebody place. I don't know where they were, but they weren't part of a law firm office. Same thing with the, the finance, the financial side, you know, the billing, you know, some of the bookkeeping things, all that was done remotely. And our practice management stuff was all remotely. Uh, and so, you know, this was something that was, you know, today we think, oh yeah, that's just kind of the way things work or, you know, things that can be done. And again, in particular, especially because of the pandemic has, has shown the value to something like this. But back then, this was just kind of brand new cutting edge stuff. You know, the fact that we didn't have an actual office um, and we did where we actually all met and had desks and sat there and did work was something that was really unique at the time. But it goes to, again, this is something that's been going on now for 10 years. And, and I think it's finally really to the point where people are really accepting of this as, as technology. You know, and again, this is all going to the point that this technology here is a good thing. What it's doing is reducing the time it's taking to do a lot of really mundane tasks that uh, are low value in a law firm but need to be done. Things like document review, things like billing and other administrative tasks like that. Nothing that's really um, you know, high value to you or the clients, but it's still really important things to do. And because you're no longer taking the time to do that, you're saving yourself time. And, and this time you could do on more important things. I mean, if you look at how you spend your day, how much of it is on small, tedious tasks that you really have to get done, um, but, but something that doesn't really move your practice, your, your practice forward anyway, how much time did you say you spend on something like that? I mean, if you're like most lawyers, and I think especially solo and small firm lawyers, probably quite a bit of your day is spent doing things like that. So just think of what else you could accomplish if you didn't have to spend time on those things, or maybe not as much time on those. You know, think of how you could improve the client experience, for instance, or your own life, the things that you could do instead of being sitting at a desk doing these things. You know, tech technology is allowing you to do these things faster, better. Um, in some case, again, in some cases, not having to touch them at all. You know, for instance, in my coaching practice, I have everyone is on a monthly billing, and it's set up so that after the their their uh, payment information is put in the first time, they are automatically billed and automatically charged on their credit cards every month. So I don't need to go in and send out invoices every month. You know, it automatically happens. So that's one less thing, you know. Now with a small group of clients, maybe it's only five or ten minutes. But, I mean, if you think, if you're a law practice and you've got 25, 30, 50 clients that you're sending out bills for, you know, this can get uh, a lot of time that you're using to put towards this. And if, if you can make this stuff automated so that you don't have to sit there and spend all that time you know, that's a lot of time that you're saving to be put towards other things, you know, and even just basic practice management systems can save time, you know, by keeping things organized and easy to find. Again, 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 I come back to the, the pandemic and how, um, you know, if you didn't have some sort of a practice management system that would allow that would allow you to get this information and, in you know, wherever you were, you know, by having things up in the cloud, 
how much time were you had to spend? How difficult was it to work with maybe other attorneys in your firm? So they knew what was going on with your cases and you knew what was going on with theirs and, and back and forth that way. You know, and really all these things, all these little mundane type of tasks, you know, my guess is that you probably didn't become a lawyer because you love doing them. I mean, I don't know any lawyer who says, I wanted to be a lawyer because I dreamed of organizing medical records or because I love doing billing every month. No. You know, there's other parts of, you know, that's that's not the reason why any of us, um, you know, went into law, went to be lawyers. And, and, and technology is actually helping us get rid of these things that we don't really like, that we don't want to be doing. And this allows us to focus on those things that you do like to do and want to do. The, the th reasons why you actually did become a lawyer, you know, helping people, explaining concepts, advising them, counseling them, coming up, you know, problem solving, advocating in court, you know, all these things that require a law license that only you as a, being a lawyer can do for them. And, and so because of that, I would say, you know what, embrace tech because it's allowing you to focus on actually practicing law. And it's helping you get rid of a lot of these mundane, you know, tasks that again, while they're important, they're not really high value to you or your practice. Now, technology is helping reduce some of those things that would otherwise be given, otherwise be done by maybe law clerks or even lower level associates. And Unfortunately, if you kind of follow that path of where that leads, this means that, you know, if you've got technology doing these tasks, you no longer need the law clerks and the associates now to do those things. Um, you know, I think associates primarily have been used, or at least traditionally here, as uh, low uh, you know, leverage for doing these low value mundane tasks, things like document review, due diligence, um, you know, drafting of, you know, initial drafting of contracts and pleadings, uh, you know, low value kind of time consuming work that they can be put on while then the partners and higher level attorneys can be focused on uh, meeting with clients on uh, business development, other things like that that are important to the practice. And so if you start bringing in technology you don't need you don't need the associates doing this kind of work because while there might be a a cost associated with bringing the technology you know whether that's software that you're bringing in or pieces of hardware that you're going to be using it's in the long run cheaper to have a piece of technology in place to do these tasks than it is a person you know you're not worrying about salary and you know paying employment taxes and and their you know, benefits and things for them. And so one, I think casualty of the technology is going to be some of these associate positions. Now, if you are one of the lucky associates that are able to stay on, not only obviously do you have a job, but I, th I think that a lot of the, the focus on what the associates are doing is changing. Now, I mean, it used to be in the past, again, like I said, associates were used for things like document review, due diligence, you know, those low-level, kind of really time-consuming research, those kind of things. And now that you have technology doing that, um, 
the role of associates is no longer kind of leveraged labor, but now I think you're going to see them more as kind of a partner in training, really, which I think is where they should be. You know, because at some point, you're going to need people to replace the higher level lawyers in the firm. You're going to need to replace the the litigators that are actually sitting in court and arguing in front of the court. You know, those lawyers who are doing mediations and who are doing high-value depositions, those who are involved in negotiations, you know, all that kind of, up, you know, the problem solving, the client business development, all those kind of tasks that, that partners do, you're going to need people to, to do those because at some point the partners are going to retire. They're going to leave for other firms or for other things, maybe leave the law entirely. And so you need to have somebody step in that and, and lateral hiring can only do so much. And so these associates, I think they're going to stick around that are still hanging in and the firms, you know, they're going to see more of a, a partner in training track, I think, which I think is good for them um, because it's, again, it's a lot less of the tedious work and more of the actual being a lawyer work that they went in for. Now, obviously this is not that great for those lawyers, uh, those associates who don't make the cut for those lawyers who they're no longer a job for them. You know, they can't get into a job because the firms are now hiring less associates or those who were in firms and found out that their position was no longer necessary. And so, you know, what you do have, unfortunately, is um, a group of young, generally young new lawyers um, who are coming out without a lot of practical experience practicing law. Uh, some of them have done, you know, are, could, could do due diligence and they can do document review and some of those kind of jobs and those tasks. But by and large, they don't have the business development experience. You know, they're not going to be your rainmakers. They're not going to be there um, with first chair experience and trials and things. And so a lot of inexperienced lawyers are going to be flowing down the pipeline going from, I think, from trickling from the, the big firms down to the midsize and the smaller down to the smaller firms. And and ultimately, a lot of these lawyers are going to find themselves starting their own practices um, because they they don't have an option. You know, there just isn't a position out there for them. Or uh, a lot of these attorneys, and this is something that I definitely see a lot of, um, they're actually not practicing anymore in the traditional sense, as we think. Um, you know, because kind of, I guess the traditional thought of if you're a lawyer, you know, you go to law school because you want to practice law. You know, maybe you were inspired by a lawyer you saw in, uh, on TV or in the movies. Uh, maybe it was Atticus Finch, Ben Matlock, uh, Ally McBeal, L. Woods, you know, um, maybe it was a, it was a, a legal situation that you found yourself in when you were younger. Uh, could be a family member had gotten in a serious accident and you saw a lawyer at a law firm really help your family to get compensation for that. And, you know, what they did was, was seemed to you at the time to kind of go above and beyond and kind of help get you guys back where you needed to be. And so you were inspired by that. And that kind of led you to, to being a lawyer. Um, you know, maybe it was just kind of the skill sets, the things that you enjoy doing, arguing, um, you want to help people. You know, um, and you saw maybe you just saw being a lawyer as a good way to make money without having to be a doctor and go through med school. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there are, there are quite a few lawyers like that, and that was the case. You know, we, we want to do something um, that um, you know that would that would maybe get us a nice income, but but med school and and the blood and that kind of really wasn't for us. And so, you know, 
whatever the reason was, you know, you traditionally you're going to go to law school to be a lawyer so that you can then practice law. And, you know, that kind of procession meant that law schools ended up being training grounds for firm associates. You know, you go in and, and this was for the most part, my experience um, going through there is, you know, I learned the black letter law. I learned how to research and I learned writing skills. You know, I learned the, the, the how thinking like a lawyer, you know, what, whatever that ends up meaning. And then the law firms then kind of turn you loose you know, out of the world. You know, at no part did they teach you how to handle clients, you know, unless you took a specific elective type of class that would allow you to do that. You know, at, like, um, at no point did they tell you how to talk about getting clients at all, business development, you know, or, or really anything else related to running a law business like firm finances, accounting. You know, none of these things were ever talked about in law school because it was just kind of expected that the way things worked is that you, you get a job in a firm and the firm's going to teach you the things you need to know. And by and large, you know, if, if you needed to learn these things, you know, you need to know them, you pick them up as you go, you know, or for those who are kind of the academia route, you wouldn't need them at all. You know, um, but technology now has changed this because the law is, is a critical component of everything and particularly technology, you know, things like ethics, you know, the ethics of technology and, and areas about how we use it. You know, I mean, think of heavily regulated industries like banking, for instance. You know, there are all kinds of laws and regulations nowadays that might be that must be navigated. Uh, I mean, think about the poor financial planners out there. You know, I know quite a few financial planners, and and they can't even put out a tweet or something on Facebook without having to go through compliance and have lawyers review what they're going to say before they put it out. You know, and more and more of these industries, every industry really. Technology is being implemented in a bigger part of all this stuff. And so the more technology you have, the more places that you need law to help with the regulation of these things. And so whenever you have the law involved, you need people with legal training and who have skills to help bridge the gap between the law and the tech side. You know, the coders, the people who are doing the heads on and the hands on things and the ethical you know, implications of it or those who can, you know, for things like um, technology used to help make decisions or kind of the ideas of smart contracts, you know, things like that. You need lawyers who can, you know, help develop the, the actual programming for this, you know, help to troubleshoot issues that rise up and and kind of ensure compliance throughout this process and everything, you know. Nowadays, not everyone who goes to law school wants to be, wants to practice. There are people, again, not just the kind of the lawyers who are kind of forced forced into it, but there are specifically people who go into law school specifically because they want to go into these kind of roles in technology. Maybe they have an engineering or computer science background, and you know want to be able to mirror, to merge that with with an understanding of the law. You know, it's very similar to, to med school, really. Not everybody that goes to med school wants to practice medicine. You know, not everyone wants to be a doctor like that. Uh, some people want to be a medical researcher. Some people want to, you know, kind of take the engineering route or whatever and, and do work on, like, prosthetics and some of the new technologies, the medical tech side of things. Or or there's the hospital admin side of things. You know, none of these are actually practicing medicine, but 
you know, going to the med school gives them the skills, the insight, the experience in the industry that then they can take into non-practicing capacity. And law is, is moving that exact same direction. Now, there are some law schools that are slowly starting to, to get on, the, on board of this that are kind of acknowledging this fact. Um, you know, Stanford's got their law, uh, the law school Center for Computers and the Law, you know, Codex, which is, is out there helping to, to work on ways to provide answers through autonomous tech. So how do we ha- let technology make decisions for us, provide answers, and, and again, kind of working on the, the gap, or, or not the gap necessarily, but the, the space between technology, ethics, um, and, and law. And how all these things in society and how all these things play together. And and I think more and more law schools are going to need to, to go that direction. You know, no longer are you going to be merely a, a training academy for big firms, but you're going to have to be, you know, centers for legal thought. You're going to have to be areas where you're starting to teach some of these things. And, and so overall, I mean, I think the increase of technology, all this is is really, it is a good thing. You know, it is lowering lowering the cost to operate a law practice, which is great for solos and small firms. Um, it makes it a lot more affordable to do this, you know, especially because of uh, law school student loans, which are so expensive nowadays and so high. It's giving lawyers, and again, especially all solos and small firm lawyers, more time to devote to our practice because we're not now spending time on those little trivial tasks. Those are now being handled by technology. Um, in different places, you know, and, and while it is reducing, I think the number of lawyers required to practice, and I see that trend continuing. You know, it is creating a new need for people with legal training that they're using outside of, you know, actually practicing law. You know, when you come into all the technology and how that um, is now going into all the different uh, areas uh, of industries, and really aspects of life in general so all that being said today uh, our takeaway here um, I think is that you know there's always going to be a need for lawyers technology is not going to change that we've had lawyers around for thousands of years and I see them continue on in the near future you know what is going to change however is the role of lawyers and the tasks that we're doing you know being a lawyer you know, having this legal training is, is not going to be the same thing as actually practicing laws we now know it. You know, they're not going to necessarily be the same thing. You know, the, you know legal training is going to now, uh, rather than just be a step in a profession, it's going to be a skill set now that you're going to use and apply to other um, areas and other, uh, other jobs and careers. The key here really is that you have to be able to adapt to the changes and, and really utilize this technology because it's going to make you more effective and efficient in the law services that you do provide to your clients. All right, so I want to thank you guys for listening. Again, if you thought uh, that there was some value that you found in this podcast, I would love for you to to share this with someone else, to, to spread this uh, to someone else who you think might also find some value in this. So, um, again, appreciate for listening today. And I will speak to you next time.